God is doing amazing things. He's really on the move. He's really on the move. And I'm so excited about that, uh, to see God at work. And uh, I believe what Ephesians 3.20 says. Ms. Vicky, I believe what Ephesians 3.20 says. I believe it with all of my heart. I really do. And y'all can wave at the folks looking in the window. After all, that's what God put us here as witnesses. Wave at them. Wave at them. Wave at them. Kids, wave at them. Ephesians 3.20 tells... Ephesians 3.20 tells you and I that God is able to do what? All things. Yeah, but he wants you to, to put, a, put some emphasis. He wanted to be emphatic. So what is he saying to you and I here? What is he saying, Miss Vicky? In Ephesians 3.20, what, what is God saying to us through, through, through the heart of the Apostle Paul? What did he say? Ephesians 3.20. Can read it? <laughs> now, Let's see. I only said it, what, 10 times? <laughs> My day to pick on you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in all the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever Good and ever. Amen. Amen. So you see, that's very powerful, isn't it? Yes. According to the Holy Ghost in us, God is able to do beyond what we, can, what we have asked him. And I tell you, one night when I was in prayer not long ago, I was praying about this in uh, our future location, and the Lord I just had this this amazing thought, and that amazing thought is God is able to do far greater than what we're able to ask or imagine. Why are you limiting God to one building? That's right. Right. Amen. <laughs> Whoa! Look at God. So today, we're going to be praying for salvation for people. Um, those of you who went, went home um, Thursday, I mean Sunday night at the church and watched the opening ceremony of the Olympics. One of the things that we, we talked about Sunday was Psalms 2. And I was sitting there with my family watching the opening ceremony of the Olympics and saw all those nations parade by. It reminded me what the Word of God said through the mouth of King David in Psalms 2. He said, Ask of me, and it's God talking to his son, Jesus. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. And I was sitting there going, wow, look at that. The nations belong to Jesus. Right. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so that's, that's incredible how the Spirit does those things. And... Uh, one of y'all had the audacity to even glorify God Sunday. Said we should have put out more chairs. <laughs> Amen? Where would we put them? Oh, trust me. We could have come on forward and push you backwards. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're going to make it work somehow. Okay? Um, what we're about to go into here 
We're going to finish up chapter 12 and possibly chapter 13. We may, we may finish this book tonight. And it, it has been a journey going through these letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians lived a life before God like no other church. And it, it was just absolutely beautiful how God, by Christ Jesus, on the leading of the Holy Spirit, was so patient with this church. And not just this church, because you've got to remember, current represented the churches in that area, in that region. And so what God did with them, he's still doing with us today. He's teaching us. And the word of God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now to remember what Peter wrote, and he was quoting Isaiah. He said, the flower of the field is here today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven. Or the wind passes over it, and it fades away. He said, but the word of the Lord abide forever. And that's what we got to always know. I've been contemplating with the possibility of skipping Galatians and going right into Ephesians on the teaching. But I think I'll keep it consistent and go into the book of Ephesians next. I mean, uh, Galatians next. Galatians, as we think about it, is really the western part of Turkey. And Asia, which mentioned in the book of Acts, is the, the region right before Galatia. Okay, there's a middle portion um, that you have there that goes before it goes into the Far East. Okay? When you're in Asia, and it's known as Asia Minor, I'm giving you a little geo lesson for a moment before we get started in Bible study so that you can prepare your hearts. In Asia Minor, it was the last avenue to Europe. And in Constantinople, which is modern-day Istanbul, is the only city in the world that divides east from west. And it is a place in which a lot of church history occurred. And before it was called Constantinople, it was called Byzantine of the Greek Empire. And it was the headquarters of the Emperor Constantine. And Constantine renamed it Constantinople. And at one point, you had a pope that was Latin-speaking in Rome. And you had a pope, where? In Constantinople, that was Greek-speaking. And all fighting to get the ear of the emperor. Uh, that's just something for you to think about later. As we get ready to go into the book of Galatians, what you're going to find out, what you're going to receive, very, very hard from Paul, some hard language, that God does not lack false doctrines. If you come down preaching, he said, even if an angel come with another doctrine, with another gospel, other than what we have preached, let them be a curse. 
And he repeats that in the next verse. He repeats it again because he was serious about this thing, very critical, about people out teaching another gospel. There's a place for people that bring a false gospel to the church. And that place is hell. God is very serious about that. And you're going to see some stuff in Galatians when we get there. I'm just, just preparing you, just kind of prepping you a little bit. That the Galatians, they heard the gospel, but somehow allowed people to come in to persuade them to do something differently, to believe differently. And by doing that, they conformed their lives to that which was different in what Paul them had preached to them to do about salvation. In other words, placing their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's where you see one of the most powerful statements in the Bible in Galatians 2.20. You say, I'm crucified with who? With who? With Christ. They said, nevertheless, the life that I live in the flesh, I now live it to who? Oh, y'all don't know the rest of it, do you? Let me encourage you. You're going to learn it. Okay? Because your very salvation hangs on that statement that I am crucified with Christ and the rest of that statement. And that's what you have to believe in. Okay? The rest of this chapter, the rest of this book, is basically like what we call leapfrogging. You know what we mean by leapfrogging? Back and forth, what he has already given them. Okay? And he's closing out his argument, Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Miss Marie. He's, no, I was just make. <laughs> I wouldn't. I didn't say you were not there. You're it tonight. <laughs> so now you're the target. <laughs> so because you're cute. <laughs> oh, okay. Now don't start that again. <laughs> they got you boxed in. <laughs> anyway. As we prepare our hearts and minds for prayer. What I think about the people of God when they go out and administer the gospel. We're never alone. Even though we're faced with great odds at times, we're never alone. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will allow us to be battered. We're never alone. And not that he never can control a situation. Do know this, what we learn from what we see in this book. When false accusers come against you, when they slander you and attempt to impeach your credibility, to destroy your character in Christ, you must plant your feet and hold on and trust in the grace of God as we see early in this chapter where Paul, even being attacked by a demonic spirit 
an angel or a messenger of Satan. Paul tells the Corinthians, he said, I sought the Lord how many times? Three times to take this thorn out of my flesh. Anybody ever had a, a thorn hit you in the side? I'm a country boy. Yes, I have in the briar patch. Yeah. And as a soldier going through maneuvers in the jungle, okay, through swamps, and you got them long thorns like that hit you, go, oh, what's that? It's very irritating. When you try to go to sleep with that puncher wound, you can't lay on that side, it's very troubling. And so, and very annoying. So he said, this demon spirit, this messenger, was like that to him. And he said, God allowed it to happen to him so that he wouldn't be what? Exalted beyond measure. Although he wouldn't take God's glory for the work in which Christ Jesus had him doing. And you know of old from the Lord Jesus Christ that God said through the prophet of you know, Isaiah, he said, my glory, I will not what? Share with another, nor give my peace to idols. And every day we see children of God giving up God's glory to the dark side. When they say, look what I've done, or they classify things as my church, my works, okay? No, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, period. And so that, that messenger, he, he, he was, Satan's intention was to kill Paul. Are you hearing me? Yeah. To shut his mouth. And not only that, but he, he, this, this spirit, and this is the part I failed to bring out last week. I know I said we're going to pray, but you got to get this part. Everywhere Paul went, this demon spirit caused insurrections. What are insurrections? Rides in the streets. Fighting in the synagogues. Over the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turning Jews against Paul. Turning Gentile against Paul. Why? Because if you make enough commotion and call chaos, right? Eventually, normal people will say what? Bump it. I'm through with this. I don't want no more with it. And you hear it even in the church when there's quarreling going on within the church family. After a while, certain brothers and sisters say, I'm done. Right? Well, this thing was designed by Satan to make Paul want to do what? Quit. Now I'm done. When Jesus said, my grace is what? It's sufficient. I mean, you hang in there. Because you got everything for me you need to make it, to go on. And we see that he went on to the next town. And to the next town. And I be doggone, you study the scripture. Look at the scriptures closely. What happened in the next town? Here come trouble. <laughs> Am I right? And for some of you, are you not experiencing that in the 21st century as God's children? Are you not running into trials and tribulation that's that appears to be on every hand. He said, doggone it. Seems like as soon as I get one thing fixed, there's something else. Mm -hmm. Whether it's home appliances or kids acting up, or husband or wives or 
uh, jobs, other family members, neighbors, something. Okay? The, de <laughs> the devil will use anything to cause spiritual warfare. Okay? He'll use anything. But you have to recognize what it is. And that's what Paul did by the Holy Ghost. He recognized that. That's a messenger of Satan sent by him to interrupt me, to harass me. So, Lord, and, 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 and I'll say this, and Miss Vicky going to start in prayer. And then each one of you pray as the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart. And so, evidently, this spirit was more powerful than Paul probably imagined because he couldn't stop it. As he put on the armor of God and was battling this thing, he couldn't stop it. He couldn't stop it because it says early in his writing, he said, God allows Satan. Did it not? To buffet me. Buffet means what? To fight. To fight you. Okay? Anyway, let's start in prayer. Let's see what the Holy Ghost got in store for us. Go ahead, Miss Vicki. Dear Father, we just come and gather tonight to worship you and listen to the word. Uh, we, I pray that each one of us will receive the word that Pastor Sam has given to us with humility and come to the understanding of the power that actually works within us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Miss Marie? One, I ask you to protect us from evil. I know you're with us at all times, and I'm pretty brave because I know you're on my side. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for the powerful word that you have put in front of us, the gospel. We thank you that we can come to you boldly and ask, ask for our needs. And Father, we thank you for our church that we this building that we're looking at. Most precious and heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for giving each of us another day, Lord, another day to serve you, another day to honor you, God, and another day to learn more about you and who you are. And thank you for understanding me to learn more about you, understand your word. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So let us be able to come here and learn about you and let us learn, learn from what you're teaching us yes. and act upon and have it help us in our daily lives. Lord, I want to thank you for bringing my sons home safe. Thank you for allowing them to have a good time. 
and I think I'm feeling whole again. I also want to pray for <coughs> journey for 10 months. She just made it there and keep her safe. Let her learn more about you in the other country. But maybe she could teach more about you. She's a strong, strong child of God and just help her grow. And I'm going to pray for our ministry, our church. I'm going to pray that the funds keep coming so we can go ahead and get our building so we can we can just grow in your name. I love her in heaven. We are praying for you in the name of Jesus Christ through Holy Spirit to bless us. We have all kinds of things. The first we ask, thank you for everything what we have. Father, we glorify you and we magnify your holy name. You are God, and we can never stop acknowledging that. We can never stop confessing or even professing that to the world. And that your son Jesus is Lord and the only way in which men, women, and boys and girls can be saved. We must believe what happened on the cross. We must believe what happened in the tomb, how you raised him from the dead. We must believe in his ascension and his soon coming back again. We must believe your word. We must place our trust in you, Lord Jesus. And we must walk with your spirit. I hear the, the prayers of your children, Lord, and their sweet sounding prayers. And we're praying, Holy Spirit, that you have ushered our prayers into the very ears of God. And Lord Jesus, that you've added prayers to our prayers for the glory of Father who sits upon the throne. And now, Lord, as we get ready to go into your word, we ask that you bless Israel. Keep them, O God, and open their eyes to the truth of your gospel and let them see that Jesus is the Messiah whom they've been waiting for. And we're asking, Father, also for these United States, what a glorious time it is to share your gospel with lost people. Father, I met a young lady today named Dana, and I asked her about coming and worshiping you and Jesus with us. And she said that she works two jobs. And Lord, we're asking, Father, that you bless her in such a way. I told her if she set her heart back to you and determined to worship you, that you will make a way, that you will satisfy her finances where she won't have to work two jobs. And so she can be freed up to come to the house of worship, to worship you in spirit 
and in truth. Lord, we love you. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you as the Holy Spirit began to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was hoping you answered. I was hoping that would have been Mr. Hitchcock. Shelly, we need you at the hymn. Gotcha. Um, that's right. I call him back. God be the glory. We're going to start at verse 13, and Paul is talking to them. He said, you know, I've written to you. I've written to you. Why is it important to understand that statement? I've written to you. Why is that important, Miss Vicki? I've written to you. Because it shows that it's personal. It's personal. Okay. What else does it show? Individual. What else does it show? He knows us. He was led by the Holy Spirit to do so. Led by the Holy Spirit to do something. Yes. What else does it show? He's got something to say to us. Yeah. It's showing that God cares about who? You, the Corinthians, me, and every other Christian that, that gets to read these letters or hear them. And what it's saying here also is say, <clears throat> what is it is wherein you, let me go over NIV side. How were you inferior to other churches except that I was never a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now I'm ready to visit you for the third time. Third time. It must have been something to have this great man of God come in there miss. Because when he was coming, he was doing something. Their spiritual condition was not to stay the same when he showed up. And because of the language, the heaviness of this letter, it also said to you and I that he was upset too by some things, by some words that which were said about him. Doubting his credibility, his qualification as an apostle. Okay? And calling him weak and saying that Basically, he can have a big mouth when he's not with us. And that he's not the same when he shows up. He's weaker. Okay? Paul being who he is in the spirit. No people like the wolf. They just like to talk trash. But he said, he want to come a third time. And he said, I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. And no doubt that these people have something to give materially. But this man is saying, I don't want anything from you. And the only thing I want is you. Because Jesus Christ, the owner of the universe, when he showed up, did he come and ask you to give, his, give your gold and your diamonds and your rubies and your, your first child and all that to him? No. What did he ask for? To love him. He asked for you. He can give, could give a hoot about your possessions. When Jesus came, Jesus came for one reason, us. Because when you look at Genesis chapter 1, what do you see take place? 
In the beginning. In the beginning. God. God what? So why did he need anything that you got to give? He doesn't need anything. But he wants who? You. You. It's a big difference. That's right. And you know what? When he said that up in Nazareth in the synagogue, as Luke records it, it was just absolutely amazing. And he also said that when he was talking to Zach, I mean, uh, what was the little short man name? Yeah. Okay. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax tax collector, so he wasn't popular in Israel. All right? He was hated by his own fellow men. But what that man said, when Jesus showed up, when Jesus saw him looking from that sycamore tree, to Zacchaeus, I must go to your house today. What was Jesus demonstrating? He said, I'm seeking who? You. Come now. I'm going to your house. What do you think that, how that made that man feel? <laughs> how do you think it made that man feel? Special. Yes. I mean, he called Shelly all the way from Kansas. Okay? Miss Barbara all the way from Poland. And you and I for our prospective places. And when we see this, Jesus at his talk there in Zacchaeus' house, he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Man, that's powerful. And that's the sole purpose why Jesus sent out preachers. To go and find people who are lost. And don't go looking for their money. Don't go looking for any of their possessions. Don't go covet their wives, their children, or anything. He said, you go and you give them the gospel. And if you so happen to get there and they're sick, I want you to do this, do what? Do this for them. Do what? What is that? Heal them. And then, if they so happen to be demon-possessed, I want you to do this. What is that? Cast them out. They say, so whatever you do, I'm sending you to them. Go get them. And bring them to me. That's the purpose. That's why you exist. That's why we're witnesses. Witnesses do one thing for Jesus. Go and witness so that we can bring people to him. That's what Paul is doing in this letter. He said, look, I want you. Y'all remember the World War II poster by Uncle Sam? What did it say? I want you. The Holy Ghost is saying to men and women and boys and girls every day, I want you. Man, that's, a, that, that, that's the greatest sound we can hear in the world when the Spirit of God says, Barbara, I want you. Are you ready? <laughs> Here I am, Lord. Okay? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And, and the Bible tells you and I that, that, that God, and I, I, listen, if I'm on a soapbox about this, I don't care. You need to know that God genuinely and intentionally called you by name 
Chrissy, I want you. Baning. Blake, I want you. And I tell you, and when that happens, let me let me tell you, glory to God. Oh yeah. When that happens, let me tell you what happens. When when God's children is on this mission to go get lost people, the Spirit of God is marching with them. Okay? And guess what else is there? Well, that's what I'm saying. The Spirit of God, He's marching with you. Guess what else He has with Him? Uh oh! The whole heavenly host is backing Him. Hello! I don't know. Somebody should have been shouting, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, because heaven is on the move. Amen. 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 And he's going into the into to the war zone of darkness where you're being held captive in your sins, and Jesus is marching in by the power of the Holy Ghost in you, and he's going in and saying, I want you, and the angels of God making sure demons don't hold you back. They are singing. And boy, and when you say, Here I am, Jesus, take me. The angels of God get the booking and dancing in heaven because the Bible says they rejoice. Jesus himself said that they rejoice over one sinner's what? Repentance. Yes. Amen? Amen. When they turn from the prince of darkness to the prince of glory. Yes. All right? So Paul, what he made there is a huge statement. He said, look, I'm coming for you. I don't want your possessions, but you, okay? Because what I want is not your possession, but you, after all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. What does that mean? That we have a responsibility to give our children an inheritance. Well, where's Paul getting this from? Uh, <laughs> where am I going with this, Chrissy? <laughs> and Psalms 2. What did God tell Jesus? He said, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Now, the Father gave the Son an inheritance, and the Son gave the apostles an inheritance. That's what Paul is saying. I'm going to get my inheritance. You are my testimony to God that the Holy Ghost is at work in me, in you. Amen. You are my workmanship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because when I came to you, not with words, you know, smart words of men, not with the wisdom of men or fancy words of men, but I came to you with the power of God and of the Holy Ghost. Who mm-hmm. said, and they were the ones that said, Blake, come here. He said, okay, Lord. <laughs> and it came with fear and trembling. To the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, that's my baby. That's my baby. I love him. And he said, look, Blake, you see that book over there? Yeah, Lord. You see that gold letters? That sparkling? Yes, Lord. That's your name, sparkling. <laughs> and the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm just being a little overdramatic, but. Uh, yeah. 
But that's what the Lord does. So he, he comes for us. So as, as parents, the greatest inheritance you can leave your children is Jesus. Amen. And the word of God. And a heart to worship God. Case in point, King David, not far from death. And I guess he sensed it. He's talking to his son, Solomon. He says, Solomon, he said, this is what I want to give to you. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And do everything within you to keep all of his commandments. Whoa. You would think, well, David's getting ready to throw his crown at him. Say, here you go, son. No, 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 no. He gave his son something greater, an inheritance that cannot perish or tarnish. That's what Jesus said in his first sermon. Lay up treasure where? That's what David was doing with his son. He said, son, there's some treasure that's not on this earth that you got to have. Okay? It's God. It's God. And then David turned around to his nobles and said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. You look after him. You show him the way to God. And you make sure he does it. Now that's a father's love for his son. That's an inheritance. And what Paul is doing with the Corinthians church, he's reminding them that he's their spiritual father and that he's left them an inheritance. Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. And all of his ways, his blessings, his grace, his mercy, his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, everything. And that's powerful. Amen. It's powerful. And so, verse 15, he says, so I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expand myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Look, I can give you everything I got. To show you that I love you. Are you going to return it? Love is supposed to be reciprocal. It's not supposed to be a one-way street. God loves you for the sole purpose of you loving him. And he even told us how. For God so loved there it is that he gave that's the how folks he gave his only begotten son and whoso believe in him shall not what but have everlasting life you got it now but that as it may I have not been a burden to you yet craftily follow that I am I caught you by trickery. He said, look, did I play mind games with you? Did I put some kind of delusions out there for you? Did I trick you in any way? No. 
I brought it to you straight. I gave it to you plain and simple. The Word of God. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what I did with you. And so, shall I bring 17 to the top, please? Uh, let me rescue her real quick. She's in a whole new book. Okie dokie. got here. Arve did. Okie dokie. Arve. Okay. So. Did I take King, New King James Version side? Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? In other words, did I send ambassadors like Timothy, Luke, Tychus, Titus, Apollos? Did any of them take advantage of you? I said no. I didn't send these men, these brothers, to take advantage of you. I sent these men to strengthen you in your relationship with, the, with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he did. Okay? If we have any other kind of motive than this, we're wrong. And we see it too often in our world today that there are hidden motives by men and women so-called to be of God when they go for one purpose and one purpose only to take advantage of you. Hmm. Okay? <clears throat> Verse 18. I urged Titus to go to you and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? <clears throat> no? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? In other words, did the brother not have the same heart and be led by the same Holy Ghost as I am? To come to you and to love you and to do for you, to care for you, to pray for you, to exalt you, and even to punish you if he had to. To share God's grace with you, to exalt Jesus among you. And what we like to know today, if for some reason God sends me on another journey, this man here will be able to pick up the mantle and, and come in and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Or this woman, okay, should be able to come in and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Or this young man should be able to say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. Because this is the course that the Lord Jesus Christ has us on and that we know what to expect from the Lord. And we know to be led by the Spirit of God and all that we do. We know to open up the Word of God. You know where you left off at. Amen. None of your dummies. Hello. Did I say that? Yes, I did. You're very wise. In other words, Paul, what I call dummy in today's time, Paul will call you ignorant in his time. Okay? None of us are ignorant. 
We all know how to open up the gospel, and we know how to read, we know how to pray, and we know how to be led by the Spirit. So the work of the Lord Jesus Christ can continue. And as my mom used to tell us growing up as kids, she used to say, one monkey don't stop the show. <laughs> Amen? And so Paul sent out these brothers who commissioned, ordained by God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to go and do the work of Christ. That's what it's all about. And if you're up here and you're teaching about self and about your life experiences, sit down and shut your mouth. Because that's not what the gospel is about. It's not about you. Amen. Okay? It's called the testimony of Jesus Christ for a reason. It's called the good news for a reason. If we listen to your story, we're going to be weeping and crying. <laughs> okay? You'll go home with a bigger burden on you. But when you talk about Jesus, about when you talk about Jesus, about the whole world lights up in you. Everything changes when you put Jesus to the front. Amen. Amen? Amen. And let people see Jesus in all you do. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I've had relatives tell my wife, all your husband talk about is Jesus. <laughs> Who else is there to talk about? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Baby girl, we know we got you. <laughs> But we're talking about our creator, our God, our deliverer, okay? The one who life is in, okay? That's who we're talking about. He's the one that you decide to get out of the middle, you know, out of the bed in the middle of the night and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm so sorry that I was too tired to pray when I got home, but I got a little rest. I'm out of this bed and I want to talk to you tonight. I just want to love you. I want to spend some time while my husband over there snoring or the kids in the bed sleeping, or supposed to be sleeping. I want to talk to you, me and you one-on-one, -on -one, okay? I want to spend time with my God. I want to love you. And you don't come with a grocery list because you want something from him. You go to him because you love him. Amen. And you want to spend time. If this young man here doesn't learn why he's young to love Jesus for who Jesus is and whether, rather than what Jesus can give, he's going to be in for a terrible downfall. Mm -hmm. He needs to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God who came in the flesh. And that God cares for him. And the, hand, the, the nail prints in his hand demonstrates that love. Okay? And to further that love, we see the Holy Ghost having brought Jesus out of the grave and say, see, I didn't keep myself there. I brought myself out so that I can be with you forever. A dead God can do nothing for you. That's why he's not dead. Oh, y'all should have got excited over that one. Come on now. He's alive. And amen. Somebody reach over there and prog somebody. Say, wake up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> anyway. Verse 19. So have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Okay. King James, New King James says, Beloved, for your edification. All that we do is for your edification. So, if I'm coming to you 
And sometimes I may have to stare at the nest of your comfort zone a little bit, put some thorns in there like the mother eagle does. She takes all the comfort items out of the nest when it's time for her youngsters to soar. Okay? And she makes that nest what? Very uncomfortable. And then after a while, she takes her beak and do what? Picks them up and do what with them? Slings them out. And as the warm air hits underneath their wings, they do what? They soar. They fly. And you know what? And they never return to the nest. They know how to go out instantaneously by instinct from God how to get their own food. Amen? Amen. And that's what the Holy Ghost does with his, 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 the pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles and the prophets of the church. They take and they stir the nest up a little bit for you by giving you the word of God and allow you to take that word of God or encourage you, not allow you, but encourage you to take the, that and make life principles from the word of God and apply it to your own life so that you would know how to live in this day and time. Because every generation is different. Every generation comes with its own trials and tribulations, with its own culture differences, but yet the word of God is unchanging in a changing world. Amen. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and the word of God is still powerful and still able to save men's souls. As King David said, God, your word is powerful, converting the soul, okay? And it has not changed. Jesus knows this. When he speaks the word, one of the things the Lord was showing me this morning in prayer, and this is so important to get, is that when you speak the word of Jesus, it's like Jesus standing there doing the work right in front of you. Amen? Amen. And that's what we have to get. And, and, and that, that idea comes from Jesus telling the religious leaders of Israel, he said, I do nothing of myself. What I hear the Father say, I say, what I see the Father do, what? I do. And that's the same image that he's given to you and me. Whatever we hear him say, we say. And what we see him doing by the Spirit, what? We do. Father like son or daughter. Okay? Don't grow a beard. Now, if you do, I'm going to laugh at you. I don't know where that comes from. I'm just a little giddy. Anyway. This is some good stuff. So in verse 20, boy, I love Arve. He's the best computer operator we got. He says, um, for I fear less. Now, here's the warning. This man is right. He said, now, look, look, I'm afraid for you. When I come, I shall not find you such as I, what? Wish or desire. That means that, are you perpetrating a fraud before God? Are you the real deal or you are just absolutely fake? Now he's getting ready to put it out there on the table for you. He's people, Paul did it then, and the Holy Ghost is doing it now with you and I. And he does it with me often. Here's what he does. Y'all ready for it? I don't know. I don't know if you're ready for this. Because he's gonna call you out. Are you ready? 
For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, backbiting, whispering, conceit, tumults, which is what? Fighting, right? Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. What he just said to them, he said, have you been lying to God? And will I find you still in your sins? I tell y'all all the time, young folks, especially, don't tell Jesus you belong to him and you're sneaking behind your mom and daddy back having sex. Mm-hmm. Or smoking dope. Or out there with the world, drinking and carousing. Because you may get away with it with your mom and dad, but guess what? You're not going to get away with it with God. And guess what? Another thing you need to know, there's a thing called spirit of discernment that God will let the man or woman of God know what spirit you are. Hello. And also, I'm going to bring you right back to some of the teachings that Paul gave this church in his first letter, talking about the gifts of the spirit. One of them is the gift of knowledge, and the other one is called the word of knowledge, and the other one is the word of wisdom. Meaning that God have let that prophet or that man or woman of God know by the Holy Ghost what you have been doing. You're going, how did he know that about me? Because the Holy Ghost knows that about you. And he just revealed it to the man or woman of God who just told you. For the sole purpose of having a church that is holy and without sin. So don't tell me you can't stop sinning. You don't stop sinning because you don't want to. Don't tell me you can't live righteous for the Lord. You don't live righteous for the Lord because you don't want to. Period. It is a mindset. When you determine to be right with God by Jesus, you will do it. So don't play mind games with God and say, I can't do it. When the Lord Jesus Christ did not go to the cross for you not to be able to make it on in. Amen. He also understand unintentional sins. He understand that. The Lord God does. That's why there's a thing called Grace. Okay, but if you're out there deliberately sinning against God and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ had John to write over in first John chapter five, he said, listen, if you are habitually living in sin, you don't belong to Jesus. In other words, you can't label of Christian, but your heart has not been converted. It's far from him. And as the Lord showed me the other day, he reminded me of the teaching of the Lord Jesus. He says, when I come, 
you will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not watched you preach in our streets? And the Lord is going to say, yes, you did. He said, Lord, did we not sit down to the same table with you? And the Lord says, yes, you did. And you're going to go on and say, he says, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? He's going to say, yes, you did. And did we not perform all kinds of miracles in your name? Yes, you did. But I never knew you. What? Let me tell you, you got that close to the Lord. Hearing him preach in your streets. And you even sat at the same table with him. But you never reached over and loved him. But we've done all these works in your name. You're right. In his what? It was the name that did the work. Not you. So God doesn't want any effort that you have other than coming to him by way of his son Jesus with a repentant heart. That's all he wants from you. The Holy Ghost will take care of the rest in you. When you love the Lord Jesus Christ genuinely, you would want to live for him. That's why it's hard pressed. And I'm going to put it out here. And somebody can get mad, but they got to take it up with God. I'm going to put it out here. And I heard the man of God say on television, and it's an old saying, that 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. Why is that? Because it's a heart issue. That other 80%... Don't love Jesus. A preacher, you're minding your business. I'm minding my business in the fact that the Holy Ghost speaks the truth. Amen. When you love Jesus, you will work for him. Lord, I'm tired. Well, hey, I give you strength to carry on. When we get to our next sermon, which is going to be Sunday after next, you're going to talk about Paul and how he desired to go to Miletus for Ephesus. And he, when they took the boy to the shipyard, he told them, I'm going to walk. When I looked it up, the distance between the two places, 430 some kilometers apart. And his brother said he was going to walk. How far is that? Little, almost 300 miles. He walked 300 miles. But they persuaded him to get on the ship. <laughs> now, how many of you walk 300 miles for Jesus to carry the gospel to people that you don't even know and care about? Uh, uh, excuse me, that don't care about you, don't even know you. And yet you show up and say, you find the nearest synagogue if there is one. And you begin to preach and teach Jesus crucified. Mm 
Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Messiah. Okay? we got about a few minutes. We'll close out in a few minutes. Some of you are tired. I know you work long today. But the closing part of this letter in this chapter is pretty, pretty harsh in a sense. So in chapter 13, I know this is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. That's from a bowl that's under Leviticus law, the law of Moses, where God said that don't go and kill a man without having two or three witnesses against him. Okay, to show that he committed the crime. So don't go stoning somebody to death without having proof that they committed the crime. So Paul is saying here, um, I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time and being absent now, I'm, I'm what? He said, I write to them which here, okay, let me jump on the, on the other side, the New King James. I have told you before and foretell as if I was present the second time and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. All right. How would you like to have someone bust you out in front of the church about what you just did against God? And you didn't think nobody else had knowledge of it. How would you like that to have your sin be brought right up in front of you? To the church and then say there are godly consequences for what you did the church here was the modern church of his day okay I tell you what if this kind of discipline was practiced today in the church y'all would run the preacher out of town I said he done lost his mind he's too harsh well, when in fact, he's following the biblical example of the Apostle Paul given to him by the Holy Ghost. So, if you catch R.V. out there stealing from the great outdoors, and he bring him in, and they bring him in the church, he say, hey, everybody, give God the glory. But it's a sad day for Lord Jesus' son. R.V. Chandler was just caught stealing next door. Here he is. R.V., what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> and Shelly would say, you can't talk to him like that. With a full belly. <laughs> and I'm going, well, the man you were with last night wasn't your husband, so you sit down and be quiet. Don't watch So, anyway, but if the man of God actually followed the doctrine of Jesus Christ here, we would be doing this. And I guarantee you. People wouldn't sin as much against God if that was happening today. People wouldn't be playing these mind games with the Lord Jesus Christ. If the men and women of God do what they're supposed to do. And I'm here to tell you, we may end up doing that someday. And when it happens, we're not having court against the person. Our main goal is to restore. Get that person to turn away from that sin and to turn back to Jesus. Okay? And if you're uncomfortable with that, you may have to go somewhere else. Because our responsibility is holiness unto the Lord, not friendship. Holiness first, friendship second. 
Because if you're not careful, friendship will send you to hell. Uh-oh. And it will take some folks with you. Am I right? Because you're trying to cover up and protect a person when, in fact, you're harming the person. And it may be mean. Y'all say, hey, look, you need to come and give account for this. And that's what we have to do. We have to love each other and do this. Okay? And so, shake it, shake it Ave. Shake it. Oh, I got to run over. Yep. He got lost. In- <laughs> yeah, he stole the password one time. Oh, and so, in oh. <laughs> verse three, he says, "Since he says, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God." Let me tell you something. When Jesus went to the cross, he was so weak from the beating, a beating that he allowed people to do to him. Because he could have stopped it. And remember in the Garden of Gethsemane what he said to Peter when Peter pulled out the sword and cut the the servant of the high priest's ear off, whose name was Malchus? He said, no, 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 put it up. Put it up. Okay? He said, could I not call to my father? And he gave me how many legions of angels? Twelve. And it is believed that one legion is between three and six thousand. That's a lot of angels. <laughs> and remember in King David's time, one angel killed what? Seventy-five thousand people just like that? One angel. And remember who went through Egypt that night and took the firstborn? One angel. Woo! Can you imagine? The number that Lord Jesus was talking about, boy, humanity would be gone. <laughs> Folks, it would be no hope. So what the Lord did here is he's, he's very gracious, very, very gracious. And what Paul is telling you and I, um, Jesus Christ, though he was crucified in weakness, yet he rose in power. He is absolutely the power of God. And when they come back, how are you going to see him? Victoriously. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. Yes, baby. The warrior of all warriors riding in the town. And let me tell you, he's not going to be taking names. Okay? He's not going to come to sit down. He's not going to sit down and have dinner. Okay? He's not. No, no, no. You cannot interrupt this. This is sacred time before God. No. No. Absolutely not, devil. In the name of Jesus, no. And so, in verse 5, he says, examine yourselves. And here it is. Examine yourselves to see whether you are what? 
faith. End of faith. What's another way of saying that, Chrissy? Examine yourself to see if you're what? Really believe. Really believe. To see if you're saved. You know whether or not you're saved. And you're going to take it a little, little bit further. Watch, watch how I do this. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Otherwise, you fail the test. You're not saved, then you're on your way to the lake of fire. You're on your way to stand judgment. You're now condemned before God. Woo! What a way to close out a letter, huh? And I'm telling you, Miss Vicky, sometimes we have to remind people of this. Sometimes we have to tell people, look, you know whether or not you're saved. You know whether or not you're playing with God. Max is saved. <laughs> <laughs> you know whether or not that you have genuinely surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and, and repented of your sins. You know that. The preacher don't know that. Your mama don't know that. And stop living off your grandmama's faith. Live off your own that God has given you. Amen? Amen. As we close out, y'all hot? We're getting ready to close. So, verse 6, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Otherwise, we did not fail the test. We are saved. We know that we know that we know we're saved. We belong to Jesus. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. You know that I'm saved. You better know I'm saved. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I better know you're saved. Are you playing with God? Are you playing with the Lord Jesus Christ? You need to know whether or not you're saved, buddy. At age, what, 17? You need to know that when you stand before Jesus, you belong to him. You need to know when that trumpet sounds, the Holy Ghost, those angels see the Spirit of God in you. Okay? And they say, that's one, that's one. There they are, because you're all lit up all over the world like little lights. Mm -hmm. And those angels see the light of Jesus in all of us, and they know exactly who to go to. And they snatch us out of here. Amen? Amen. And you know what? When you die, the Holy Ghost knows exactly what grave you're in. Hello. When you die, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what grave to send those angels to. Because the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, that the trumpet sound, we all shall be what? Changed. And raised into what? The corruptible shall become what? Incorruptible. And the mortal become what? Immortal. Because it don't happen just that fast. And the angel's going to swoop you out of here. Gone. Amen? All right. So, Paul is not saying, he said, I'm not disqualified. Now, I pray to God that you do no evil. You got that? Everybody tired here tonight? Yeah, I got one here sitting tired. Your son looked tired like you too. <laughs> yeah! In the midnight hour. 
Okay. So now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but you, he said, not that we should appear approved. In other words, look, 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 look. We don't have to come and, and prove to you that we're saved. Okay? Miss Vicky, you don't have anything to prove to me. All right? Who you have something to prove to? You got it. All right? But that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. To some of you, to some people, they, they, may, they, they may think that you're not saved. Okay? Now, here's the thing, Miss Pat. Sometimes when you warn people about their sin, they're going to think you're judging them. And they say, who made you holier than I? You can't be saved. You run around called God would never do that. Uh, beg to differ? They say so. Because obviously you don't know this. They'll say, well, you're not perfect. Oh, that's, that's, boy, they love that one. You're not perfect. Okay? Amen. But do they know what the word perfect actually means? Oh, I lost your pay. The word perfect means complete. It also means mature. I guarantee you, you're not a babe in Christ. Now, are you? So if you're not a babe in Christ, then you must be what? Mature. You're mature. And if you're mature, you're what? Perfect. You're complete in Christ Jesus. Because after all, in Ephesians 4, Paul said that's the purpose of the leaders of the church. To get everybody moving in the same direction, to teach them, to guide them so they can come to what? Come to the faith in unity. To grow up into a mature, that same word, a mature body of Christ. Okay. That's what it's all about. God doesn't want you to stay as a child in Christ Jesus. Because you know what the devil do with children, small children? Yeah, they get busy, and they get nosy, and they get careless. Amen? Amen. And that's why older saints say, come here, boy. Uh, come here, girl. Sit down. All right, we'll finish this up. For we can do nothing against the truth. But for the truth, I, I want to say to you that the truth can never change. You can tell a lie with remnants of the truth, but the truth itself can never change. The truth is absolute. And if you study that word absolute, it is a compound Latin word that means unchanging. It cannot be altered. Period. Okay? Well, we are talking about the same thing when um, Jesus was in, uh, with the Roman soldier and uh, leader. Yeah, Pilate. Pilate, and he was saying, what is true? Yeah, you're going to tell him what is true. <laughs> Bubba, you, you know now, don't you? <laughs> Pilate knows now what truth is. All right, verse 9, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Uh-oh. What is that word complete is? Perfection. Perfect. That you are made perfect. Because you see over here on the King James side, look at this. Miss Pat, this is how languages, when not properly translated, can deviate and cause some confusion. All right? Same Greek word now. Perfection in King James. New King James, 
complete. NIV, perfection. 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 You stop listening to the world saying that you're not perfect in Christ. Jesus Christ made no errors with you. There are no flaws in his salvation plan for you. Okay? There are absolutely no breaches in his truth. And the Holy Spirit doesn't half save you or half fill you. He saves you and fully fills you. Amen. 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 Now, therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness, otherwise I'm going to get you. He said, I'm going to rebuke you or admonish you. That's what sharpness means. According to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. In other words, he said, listen, as the apostle, as the one appointed over the church to lead and guide the church, I have the divine authority of Jesus Christ to come and make corrections. Not so that you can feel hurt and destroy you so you can walk away and go back into sin. He said, but so that you would know how to walk holy and correct and righteous before God in Christ Jesus. Okay? That's what this is all about. Never to get you to walk away from Christ and to go back into sin. Never. And finally, brethren, farewell. This is it. Farewell. Goodbye. Become what, Miss Barbara? Become complete. Finish your course. Finish the job that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you as a child of God. Complete it. When I was in seminary in my master's program, there was a saying on campus, and this was the saying, finish well. Finish well. Finish well. Because the Lord Jesus Christ Finish well. When he told his father, it finished. It's finished. And a cross, and he died. He finished well. So when you take your last breath, when I take my last breath, you make sure. We make sure we are finished well. Amen. 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 And the Holy Spirit in you is going to make sure you belong to Jesus. That we finish well. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. In other words, stop the arguing, going in different directions. Unity. Unity. Be on the same accord, just like they were on the day of Pentecost. All right? Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about Miss Nelson. <laughs> she don't want everybody putting their lips on her. She does you for But he said greet one another with a holy kiss. He didn't say a passionate kiss. He said with a holy kiss. Okay? Greet one another. When I was pastoring church in Bad Hurstville, and 
One day after church service, service had just ended, I just stepped out of the pulpit, and our Sunday school teacher, who happened to be the principal of the school, Brother McAkron, walked up to me and laid a big kiss on me, right here. And I turned white. You <laughs> fell. You know, the first thing went in my heart was, I can't believe this man just kissed me. <laughs> but he did it so loving. And he said, brother, I love you. And he was just glowing with the Holy Ghost. And when I come to my senses, <laughs> I hugged him. <laughs> it shocked me at first. Because we as men from these United States don't normally walk up to each other and do what? Kiss each other. And the women do it more than the men, but nowadays the women don't want to do it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to beat that one more. I'll leave it alone. All the saints greet you. Okay? All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 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 When I came in here, I was walking by and uh -huh. I almost didn't stop. And you said, come, come, come. And you said, I have something to share with you. I am so happy. I am so excited. I said, okay, then I'll give me a kiss. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Honey, she came in and told me to kiss her. Uh -oh. And I did. <laughs> right on the cheek. <laughs> Amen. In unity. That's right. That's right. And so we're glad that God is on the throne. Amen. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst and around the world. Amen. Amen. And so. We'll say this closing, everybody. Do know and confer that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's the only way to salvation because he is salvation. Amen. He is eternal life. The only one from God that can save us. Amen? Amen. And so with that said, Deacon, close us out in prayer, please. Oh, Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord, that your children get, came together to listen to the word that the Holy Spirit gave our pastor. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit told us about Jesus. And this is all about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Father, we ask that when we leave, we leave with joy. We leave with a heart for you, Father. To see other people and to walk up to them and to give them that same love that you gave us. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen.